Have you ever wondered what it means to be in recovery? I've been in recovery for close to 10 years now for one issue or another, and it seems like every day is still just day one. So I started to ask myself, does recovery ever end? If it does, would I want it to? Let's explore that. Hello and welcome to the Exploring Recovery Podcast. This is the podcast that takes a closer look at lives lived in recovery. I'm your host, Shane Sosaikin. First of all, I want to thank you for joining me. So here we are, the very first episode. After much procrastination and overthinking, here we are. This is a project I've had on the back burner for some time and only recently felt like it was the time to revisit and develop it. You know, I just started a new job and been trying to put a lot more focus on my books. So sure, why not start a podcast at the same time, right? But in all fairness, you know, 2021 has been a year of challenges. It's been a year to challenge myself and my fears. And this whole project, well, there's just, there's a lot to unpack. So before I could actually get into my story, and I will, I felt like it was best to really start off by just defining recovery. It's become important to me to define what I'm talking about before I go talking about it. And so I felt it was important to say, okay, if we're going to talk about this whole concept of recovery, let's just kind of find out what I mean when I talk about it. I want to take a minute to kind of talk about recovery, what it meant to me. If someone would have asked me to define recovery, you know, as far as I knew, my only thoughts of recovery just came in the form of, you know, people being at a hospital and getting procedures done or resting after a a medical treatment or a surgery. And that's just about all that I, uh, all the concept that I knew. Like if anyone had any other kind of issues, they would go to um, a group or rehab if they have substance abuse or Alcoholics Anonymous. My whole entire idea of recovery was simply just something that people either when they're sick, they stay home and they recover, you know, or they go to the hospital and they recover there. I mean, I remember this the, my first time of actually being in a hospital recovering myself. Um, I'd had my appendix out um, the night before I'd, I'd in my younger years, I'd, I did a little bit of uh, sparse drinking while I was fragging friends and, and playing video games. We, we did what was called a land party back in the day. People bring their computers to one place and hook them all together. And it'd, it'd be a local area network, a land. And, um, of course me being half Asian, my body didn't really tolerate alcohol. Uh, I woke up when my stomach was hurting and had to go to the hospital. Um, and I come to find out that um, my appendix was about to rupture. So I was immediately faced with my one of my biggest fears, and that's having surgery. And so I, I go through surgery. It's a fantastic time. Um, the Lord kind of really knew that this was one of my biggest fears. And when he showed up, his joy just radiated through me. And I was so full of joy at that time that the nurses kind of thought I was on some sort of drug. When in reality, it was just the Lord with me. And so I go through the process and I start my own recovery to, to, to get through that whole, um, to recover. So 
they the doctor had said, well, we had to disrupt some of the muscles in your stomach, and so now you just have to work those muscles gradually, and you know you'll recover from what I had to do to get to the appendix. And I thought, okay, so I ended up just kind of pushing the boundaries and a little bit of speed walking. And the nurses at the station said, you just had surgery. Well, you calm down. You, you, you can't do that. And I'm like, well, uh, you, you, you said to work the muscles. So that's about kind of my whole experience with recovery. But in the past seven years, uh, I've learned a lot about mental trauma and and how that happens. And, you know, I had been some through some traumatic things as a child, but I never really understood them as being traumatic or that I had to deal with them that, or they're just in the past. I've forgotten. You know, I knew very little about the mind really needing to recover, you know, in a world without the internet and unlimited information at your fingertips, you know, things like mental trauma and mental health, all those kind of concepts were really foreign to me. All I knew was, you're crazy or you're not crazy. And as they always said, well, there's no cure for crazy. It was just something that you that you are and there's nothing really you can do about it. And so I carried this misunderstanding for most of my life. And it was not till much later that I realized that recovery also kind of applies to trauma occurring in a person's soul or the mind, will, and the emotions. But for recovery, that would be about... Early, early 30s, late 20s. Um, yeah, I had a great job, a family, you know, and a springboard for several passion projects, people in my life that were willing to come aside me and, and just learn. And one day it just all came crashing down around me. And one night I had nothing. Well, okay, that's not exactly accurate. I now had a probation officer and trauma from being in jail to keep me company. All sarcasm aside, I was learning what it meant to recover mentally. At the very least, I had become open to the idea that the mind need, definitely needs time to recover. What? The, time, the mind needs time to recover? You know, the idea seemed really silly to me. I kept thinking about, well, some of my grandpa's sayings. He had a lot of sayings. Not all of them were really healthy, but he, things uh, along the lines of, well, you got to man up, you know, get over it which simply meant to ignore the issue and repress any emotions I had about the matter, just stuff them on down. I'll be the first to say that stuffing down emotions simply does not work. I mean, I fully believe that it is stuffing down my emotions and not taking the time to properly deal with them and process them out. That right there was one of the main reasons why my whole entire life blew up. There are a lot of other reasons. There's a lot of other mistakes that I made that led to my divorce and my subsequent arrest and jail time. But I can kind of really all trace it back to this mindset that I was ingrained in me as a child and I didn't even know what was happening. And there's a lot of this we're going to get into in this podcast that I'm pretty excited to share. There's a lot of avenues of thought that I just feel that somewhere down the line, this is going to help somebody avoid the mistakes that I've made. You know, I was making that connection earlier about people being in hospitals and recovering and people need physical therapy after an injury. Well, after my life blew up, I, I needed what you could probably say mental therapy. You know, this, the, the, this time to learn how to be a, a functional adult. And I have to say that 
the only way this is going to work, recovery worked for me, was because I cultivated a relationship with Jesus. That became the crux, the very pillar of, of how it even became possible. Because without Jesus, there really is no hope of recovery. So I do want to engage that a little bit and just say that I'm not talking about religion. Religious practices are not the way to handle recovery. The only way to be in recovery and reap the benefits of having this insurmountable freedom is through an organic relationship with Jesus. I have friends in my life that I've spent time with and learned how to trust and build a relationship with. And in much in the same way, that's the kind of relationship Jesus wanted to have with me. And when I started cultivating it, I realized that this is the way to go. This is the way to grow. And it's been an amazing experience. I'll give you an example. Life lived with Jesus, life without. Several years before I got married, I remember being in this relationship with this woman and it, it, it was unhealthy. It was mostly just a physical relationship. It's not really a good way to um, be in a relationship with, relationship with somebody. So we broke up. And the breakup tore me up so bad that I started suffering from some severe anxiety, borderline panic attacks almost constantly, so much so that I really couldn't function as an adult. I was having a really hard time getting through some of those um, post-breakup days. You know, I was really just trying to handle the problem in my own power, and it didn't work. And I'd had a couple relationship enders like that, and that one was actually the worst. So fast forward a few years, I had lost my house, I had lost my job, I would lost my family, everything. My wife, who had told me she would want to spend the rest of her life with me, looked forward to growing old with me, was not seeking a divorce. And I remember uh, going to the lawyer's office I have to admit, I felt a bit intimidated. I didn't know what to expect. I kind of wondered if I was going to have to be in a room with my ex-wife. And in reality, it was all taken care of at the lawyer's office. So I get in there, have a seat. I tell the secretary why I'm here. And so eventually this lawyer comes out. And I'm telling him, hey, you know, some judges will, will insist that the couple works it out. That doesn't happen here in Oklahoma. So he tells me, you've got two choices. You can either get divorced or pay more money and get divorced. So I looked him straight in the eye and I said, I need to pray about it. He kind of gave me a sideways glance and walked off. I said, Lord, what do I do? You know, I, I want to work this out. I don't want to get divorced. I know I messed up, but I know I can do better. It was too late. So as I'm praying, I felt the presence of the Lord just kind of sit on me and, and tell me, sign the papers. Every time up until this point, I've, I've, I've had this internal dialogue with the Lord, and this is one of the first times I've ever felt him be sad that this is how this is going to have to be. I had no choice. I wasn't in position... I wasn't in a position to really fight it. I had no money, had no job. If a friend hadn't took me in, I'd have been out in the streets. So I sat there for a few minutes more and said to the secretary, I'm, I'm ready to make my decision. 
So I sign the papers and I leave. I don't have to go to court. I don't have to see her. And I'm just walking down the street. I'm feeling kind of dizzy because of all the emotional emotion. I'm feeling kind of dizzy because of some of the emotional turmoil I'm going through. But as I'm walking, I felt like there was this presence. And honest to God, I believe it was the Lord's presence just protecting me in that moment. There's no anxiety. I felt just protected. Nothing like before. I wasn't crying. I wasn't happy. Don't get me wrong, but, you know, I wasn't, I was not an emotional wreck. And I started feeling my chest. And I was like, whoa, this is, this is kind of surreal. Like, what's, what's going on here? And I felt that in that moment, and I'm still convinced of this today, that the Lord is just there protecting me, guarding me, guarding my heart from all these attacks that would have come in and just collapsed on me like they'd had before, like with the other girl. And I realized that this is a lot different. This is not what I expected. This is, this is definitely a game changer. I became convinced that he was here in the moment with me, like a friend, covering me, keeping me from destroying myself as I tried to handle it in my own abilities. And I started really just understanding that living a life submitted to God, submitted to Jesus, is a heck of a lot better than trying to do all this on my own. So now it comes to this. What is my vision for this whole project? What is, the, what is my overarching goal? Well, I'll start with this. As I mentioned earlier, a few years uh, after getting out of jail, you know, I, I went through this process of recovery and, and just really learning um, about myself. And I thought to my, I thought, you know, this is probably good for people to know. For someone who's maybe going through the same issues that I am, or at the very least, just creating this community where we could just talk about what's happening. Because that's one of the things I did the most whenever, after uh, jail, as I talked about it. And it helped. And I kept thinking to myself, man, I really wish there was a place where I could go and read and talk about this. And I didn't really know much. You know, I'm, there's certain organizations and communities that are out there that, that, that do share this kind of passion of, you know, let's have a community and talk about, you know, our, our issues and, you know, get healing. Some years after jail, I remember picking him this audio book uh, about on combat by Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman. And one of the things that he had talked a lot about was his pain shared is pain divided. Even military people, after being in combat or police, all of them, after being in an engagement, life or death engagement, the importance of sharing that, um, getting a good debriefing, as he called it. When I think about what it is that I'm trying to accomplish, it simply is another place. Because Lord knows we could use a lot more people with who uh, are willing to take the time to share these voices of recovery. No matter what you're going through, talking about it is important. Whether that's in prayer or finding someone you feel like you can trust, um, someone you can be vulnerable with. And that to me has become really important. I've taken a big chance with this podcast, opening myself up, being vulnerable. And I know what kind of change that can bring, but 
At the same time, I also know that that can bring quite a bit of scrutiny. Either way you look at it, I am open to being willing to share in and of myself and embrace that because at the end of the day, I know the healing that can come from being vulnerable. I also greatly believe in mentorship, having someone to speak into your life, whether it's through this podcast, whether it's through a blog, a book, like that was an important skill that I picked up that helped me become the man I am today. But it was only recently when I realized that I'm getting a lot more comfortable with sharing my story, which kind of tells me that it's time to kind of put it out there and see what happens. For better or for worse, I can't sit here any longer and not tell people about how God has changed my life through jail, how I met God to a deeper level in jail, and how that experience has created these convictions that I just need to share with people, not because I want to tell them how to live their life, but because I want to share how God has changed my life and, quite honestly, how it could be easier. I'm the kind of guy who really likes to optimize, path of least resistance. And what sounds crazy to me is that I was willing to do a lot of extra work that I didn't need to to get the kind of results that I am living this life with Jesus involved. I'm also a firm believer that I learn more from my failures than from my successes. Although it did feel at times that I was doing more failing than succeeding, but I also feel like I've learned a lot. I remember a time when uh, a good friend of mine, you know, kind of walked up to me and he was, he was kind of agitated. He's like, you know, you're just, you're just right all the time as if that was a bad thing. And I kind of just, you know, looked at him for a second and I said, you know why I'm right all the time? He's like, why? And I'm like, because I spent even more time being wrong. And there was this silence. And I said, you know, you can learn from me and not have to make those wrong decisions or you can make them on your own. Not going to stop you, but either way, you're going to have to learn if you want to grow. And he's like, well, uh, <clears throat> no, I'm, I'm good. So I'm not really shy about sharing my failures and my struggles. You know, I gladly own it because when I come over here and I say, you know what, I'm going to own what I did. I'm going to own the, the mistakes that I made. And all of a sudden it's, it just takes ammo away from the enemy, from, from haters, from anyone who's going to try and use my past to destroy me. I was like, nope, I did that. I own that. I made some mistakes. I made some pretty poor ones. And if it's my responsibility, if it was my fault, then I will take responsibility for it. End of story. As Jesse Duplantis once said, if you don't embarrass sin, sin will embarrass you. And I'm not about to have that. I feel it's safe to say that the topics I'm going to talk about will definitely rub people the wrong way. It's not my intent, but I know full well going into this project that I'm not going to be for everyone. I know full well that my content is not going to be for everyone. But if I've learned anything about following Jesus, it's that a perfect message isn't always going to come out perfectly through imperfect people 100% of the time. So, if something I share resonates in your spirit, if it clicks with you, then let God use it to draw you into a deeper relationship with Him. If not, there's an old saying that I heard about cows, that they should, they should chew the grass and spit out the sticks. Everyone's relationship with Jesus is going to be different. I can, after all, only share my walk with God, and it is my hope, my dream, and my vision that what I learned will help you too.
you know, the whole Exploring Recovery podcast was born out of a drive to share my experiences in the hope that it strengthens and encourages my listeners, you know, giving them more hope, whether they are going through the lowest points in their lives or whether they are also on the road to recovery. And that is going to do it for this first episode of the Exploring Recovery podcast. I hope you'll join me again on the next episode. I'll be going into fear and what part that played in the creation of this podcast and kind of how I overcame that and what I plan to do going forward. Be sure to check out my blog at SoPsychic.com for more resources and posts to help you along on your journey. That's T-S-O-S-A-I-K-I-C-H.com. Also, if you like what we're trying to do here, please subscribe and share it with someone you think it'll help. Thanks again for listening. So long, and we'll talk again real soon.